Hi everyone, this is Pastor Brett from First Baptist Church here in Cherryvale, Kansas, and I want to welcome you to our Cherryvale First Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Our prayer is that the Lord will speak to you through His Word for His people. If you're looking for a church home, we encourage you to join us for our celebration service every Sunday morning at 1045. It's a great time of praising our Lord and hearing from Him. We are just a group of passionate followers of Jesus Christ with a desire to worship Him and take His message of hope to the heartland. If you want to find out more information about our church, you can look at our website, www.fbcherryville.org. My sermon will begin in just a moment, and thanks again for listening. I invite you to find your Bibles and turn to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 5. I want you to think of a restaurant, some place that you were so excited about, something that maybe you heard how great it was. So as you were hearing about it, your expectations, they became so high, it was very highly recommended to you. But after eating there, let's just say it didn't turn out the way you thought it would. It was such a dud, it, it kind of missed the mark and it missed it bad. It was a bust. For me, that was several of those highly touted barbecue joints up in Kansas City. When I got there, I heard so much about these places, how great they were. The queue was great at those places. I was told I just had to go. Now, understand, these restaurants, and I'm not going to name them because for some of you, they might be some of your favorite restaurants. I mean, barbecue is one of those things that people have particular tastes for. So anyway, they had great barbecue atmosphere. They had the barbecue theme going on about them, so that was okay. But to me, the food, it was really subpar. It wasn't up to speed. It wasn't what I would call Kansas City quality barbecue. Did you ever have that type of experience at a restaurant? Now let me switch gears and let's look a little differently. Think about a restaurant that you went to where the food was great, but the atmosphere was just the most horrible thing that you've ever been to. For me, that was one of my favorite pizza joints growing up back in Pennsylvania. It was back in Lidditz, Pennsylvania. It was a small town of about 10 to 12,000 people. It was about an hour west of Philadelphia. Again, I'm not going to name any names, but I've got to say, to me, it had the best pizza I've ever had still to this day. Now, every time I went home, I'd always make sure I'd go into this restaurant. didn't matter what time of day it was. It could even be late at night. I'd go in there and I'd get me some pizza. The pizza there was great, but let me just say the atmosphere, it was kind of lacking. There were kind of some tables scattered around with some chairs, some old-looking tables and chairs. No real ambiance, not much of anything, just the smell and the taste of great pizza. Thinking of those two examples and thinking of what your thoughts might be on your dining experiences, the question that comes to mind is this, what makes a great dining experience? I think two things really kind of come together to make a great dining experience. The first one is food, and the second one is atmosphere. And it's all about what you see, right? It's about what you feel. It's about what you taste when you go in there. For you math people, here's the equation. It's food plus atmosphere equals experience. If you hear about a new restaurant, somebody says, hey, this restaurant's coming to town. What are the two things that you ask about? First is what? How's the food? And the second is what's it going to feel like? What's it going to look like? How's it going to be when I go in there? Now, let's take this concept and let's apply it now to I Love My Church and our series we're going through. Jesus has given us new lives. He's given us lives without these fences in between us and the people that he puts in our lives. Lives that will be a part of a new community, the community of the church, of his people that he is creating. And this life in this community, life in this kingdom, it is life as it is meant to be. Giving us a new identity, giving us a new set of values in our life, giving us a standard of ethics to live by. Remember back in our first week where we concluded that our reputation as people of this new community should be one of what? Love. 
That should be our reputation, love. God wants all people to know that in this life, this life is of salvation, forgiveness, peace, healing, and hope. That is what life is all about. And all of that is based on that one thing. It's based on love. Here's the question we have to consider as we close out this series. How do people come to this new life with God? How do people hear? How do they discover? How do they experience the kingdom of God here on this earth? And that's the aim of today's message. To answer those questions. To help us discover how God, how he entrusts us to create that kingdom experience right here on earth. Right here in Cherryville, Kansas. Let's read our passage for this morning to see what that might look like. Please stand in honor of reading God's word. We're reading from the Gospel of Matthew chapter 5 verses 13 through 16. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven heaven. Let's pray. Lord Heavenly Father, I just thank you again for your word. Thank you for the truths that you teach us from your word. I pray, Lord, that as we unpack this passage, this parable, this teaching of Jesus here, that we will understand how to apply this to our individual lives, how we can be the salt and the light within our community here. And if we're not that, why it's important that we begin being that. God, we love you. We pray that you'll just open our eyes and open our hearts to all that we are to be as your church here on this earth. It's in your name we pray and all God's children said, amen. You may be seated. Let me begin by saying it was 7.30 a.m. The date was March 9th, 1980. Richard Hornbuckle was driving with two of his friends across the Sunshine Skyway, which is that bridge that spans Tampa Bay, south of St. Petersburg, Florida. And just as we experienced during our two years that we lived there, that day it started to rain. And there, when it rains, sometimes it rains so hard, visibility is almost zero. What Mr. Hornbuckle didn't know was that moments before he had reached that Sunshine Skyway Bridge, a freighter named the Summit Venture had slammed into the number two South Pier, knocking out a large section of the bridge. Several cars had already gone over the edge when Mr. Hornbuckle, seeing what had happened, he slammed on his brakes, stopping just 14 inches from the end of the bridge. But... In the next lane over was a loaded Greyhound bus that was not as fortunate. It did not see the sign to stop, and it went right over the edge, killing everyone on board. Why is this important to us this morning? It's because of this. Because there's millions of people in the world today, and they're heading, heading right for that terrible fate. They're going to drive off of that bridge of life straight into the gates of hell. And Jesus says, it's our job. It's my job. It's your job. It's everyone's job. It's his children's job. It's the church's job. It's our job to try to tell them that they're headed toward this destruction in their life, that there is a better way, there's a different way, and you need to follow this way before it's too late. Friends, as we conclude our series, we've looked at through this series ways in which we can demonstrate love for one another through our community, through serving, and through giving. Don't forget we got our blessing box up here. And if you have a need, that blessing box is open to anyone. Come and take what you need to fulfill those needs. And again, if you have any extra money that you can give to the needs of the people in the church, just drop it in there. We're going to be honest in this church. And if we have a need that we can meet, we're going to meet it. This is for the people of God's church. 
this morning, the final way we can demonstrate our love is by sharing our faith. Sharing it with those who don't yet know Christ. In a sermon I'm called, Sharing is Caring. Because if you care, you will share. What is it that we can learn this morning? Well, let's take a look at that as we get started. I want you to see first that God, that he entrusts us to create the kingdom experience. And just how do we do that? Look with me back at the first part of verse 13. It says, you are the salt of the earth. Okay, what does salt do? Salt brings taste, right? It kind of acts as a flavoring agent on food. It brings taste to bland food. And salt, it preserves If someone gives you a plate of food that's really not up to snuff and you're not really sure you want to eat it, it's not to your liking, but you know you have to eat it, what are the first words that come out of your mouth? No kids, it's not, where's the dog? That's not what you ask, okay? What do you say? It's pass the salt, please, right? Pass the salt because you want to flavor it. We want to alter the taste. And why do we do that? We do that by applying salt so that it would change the taste. Maybe you apply some pepper. I know some of you like the hot sauce. So maybe you apply some Tabasco or some other kind of hot sauce. But for today's lessons, we're going to stick with the salt as our seasoning agent. So church, I don't want you to miss what Jesus, what he is trying to tell us here in this metaphor that we're going through. He's making it clear to us how necessary and how important we are for the welfare of the world around us. Now you're probably going to say, hold on pastor, what do you mean necessary and important to the welfare? How? Well, it's because, you see, as believers in Jesus Christ, we've experienced a transformation within our lives. We've been transformed by Christ, and we've come into the kingdom of heaven right here on earth. And Jesus, what he is saying to us is this. He's saying, now, your presence is necessary. It's necessary as God's means of influencing the world for good. Regardless of your status, regardless of your profession, the kingdom life that we, that each of us possesses here right now is invaluable for the effect that it will have in our daily circles of influence. Then he picks up in the first part of verse 14 and says next, what does he say? You are the light of the world. In Jesus' day, in their homes, they had these small wicker oil lamps that they would use, and they gave out little light in the average house. Now, the most effective way to use that light was to what? To set it up high, up on a lampstand. And and it would give even the smallest amount of light if it was lifted up. And what would light do? It would chase away the darkness. The light, it removes the darkness in the same way that Jesus' life and his message of salvation brought light to us. Look back at Matthew 4, 16. It says this, The people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. Now in our passage we read earlier for today, Jesus is saying to his disciples, he's saying you. He's saying you are a living demonstration of the arrival of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, right here. And church, don't miss this metaphor either, because what does light do? Light does what? It removes darkness, right? Light removes darkness. So we not only carry the light of the gospel of the kingdom of God, but he's telling us we are the light. You and me, we are his light. Because of the work of the third part of the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Because that Holy Spirit, because he is working in our lives, our transformation has produced kingdom light in each one of us. Which should be affecting every aspect of our being. Turning us really into this positive influencers in this sin-darkened world that we live in. Since Jesus says that we are to be the salt and we are to be the light, what do we do? We're to bring taste. We're to bring atmosphere of Jesus' kingdom to the world. So if the equation is food plus atmosphere equals experience, then 
Where do you think the experience of Jesus' kingdom, where does that come from? It comes from you and it comes from me, from his followers. That's where the experience comes from. It comes from the way that we interact with the world around us, the way that we live our lives, that they see us live our lives each and every day. And most importantly, how we live life together in community as a body of believers, as Christ's church. Friends, doesn't it just amaze you to think that God, how he entrusts us, his church, with the responsibilities that he has? Think about it. God the Father, he trusted people. He trusted us to curate his creation. Yeah, to manage it. He charged us to care for all of the world. Look with me. We're going to go all the way back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Look what God said. He said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the flesh of the seas and over the birds of the heaven and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Now, I got to say in that verse, I don't think God is talking about just having dominion over the creepy people in our world because there's plenty of creepy people here. We know that. But you see, he's saying everything, everything in the world we have dominion over. And then many years later, Jesus comes along, right? And what does he do? He establishes his kingdom. Who is it that he entrusts to curate his culture, his kingdom here on earth? It's us again. It's you and it's me. That's who he's charged with curating his kingdom. He says, we are the ones that will bring the taste. We are the ones that will bring the light. We are the ones that will bring Jesus and his community, his kingdom experience, right here to this church, to these people around us, to Cherryville, to Montgomery County, wherever we are. Why? So that they can know God. So that they can find him. They can repent of their sins. And they can find new life. Think about it like this. If you don't like how Cherryville is, if you don't like the direction of the community, where it's going, what's been happening with the moral standards, with the absolutes here, then ask yourself this question, am I being salt? Am I salting it? Am I salting this community with what I do? Discouraged with all the darkness in our culture, in our society, all the negativity we see, all the crime, the collapse of the family structure that we see going on, then ask yourself this. Am I being the light? Am I lighting it up? Am I lighting up this world with my life? If the culture is bland and dark, then friends, we, you and I, we need to get busy. We should be salting the world, not assaulting the world by our negativity, by our disparaging remarks on top of all of that. But we should be salting the world and we should be lighting the way for the people to see the gospel kingdom when we intentionally love one another, when we intentionally use our gifts and we live out the love that God has toward one another and that the world outside these walls, when we live out that love as well, we are salting the bland and we are bringing light to the darkness that is around us. Church, saying I love my church, it isn't about us. It doesn't just impact us inside of here. It's about everything outside of these walls as well. So, we're going to close out this morning with looking at a question. How do we bring this I love my church experience? How do we bring it to the culture that is out there around us? We're going to look at three quick points this morning to understand the answer to that question. First, people will experience Jesus' community the right way when we live its values. 
We can't separate Matthew 5, verses 2 through 12, from Matthew 5, 13 through 16. The Beatitudes, which are that first part, 2 through 12, they are not an introduction that goes on, and then, well, the salt and the light part, well, that's when Jesus really begins to preach his sermon. You can't separate them. They are part of the same thought that Jesus was giving there. We went through Jesus' Sermon on the Mount a couple of years ago. So let me refresh you on what Jesus was teaching there. In verses 2 through 10, he was teaching us these things called the Beatitudes. These were the values of the kingdom of God. Then in verses 11 and 12, he talked about the promise, the promise of what we don't like, persecution. But then he also had the promise of the reward. And then in verses 13 through 16 that we're looking at today, he had the charge, which is the call that's on each one of every one of us, which is part of the church. The salt and the life metaphors, they are a result. They come out of those beatitudes. If you live those beatitudes, you will be salt and light to the community that is around us. We have the best opportunity to be that salt and light when we live out those beatitudes. Be salt in a sour world. Be light with all of the darkness around us. Jesus brought the kingdom of God to us. He brought it to us through regeneration and through renewal by the spirit that he puts within us. He transforms us. The spirit, what it does is it produces in us, remember those beatitudes? Poverty of spirit, mourning, meekness, righteousness, mercy, purity, and peace. These are the characteristics that Jesus gives us. These are the characteristics of a disciple that allow God to establish his kingdom in this world. This is the kingdom life. This is what God puts in each and every one of us. And then what we're to do is we're to demonstrate that to the world that is out there around us. I don't know when the last time was that everyone here, that we evaluated ourselves against each and every one of those beatitudes, of the qualities, of those characteristics that Jesus described. You should be able to go down through them. Humble, check. Meek, check. Merciful, check. Peaceful, check. You should be able to go all the way down through each one of those beatitudes because, friends, understand, the beatitudes are a character profile of someone who says, I love my church. So seasoning and shining, it isn't only about the message that we declare with our lips. It's about how we go about our lives. It's about our lifestyle. It's about the way that we live. And that is the emphasis here, the lifestyle that we are to live. Being salt and light is about a message that declares with our actions and with our reactions and with everything in between what we believe. And here's the key. We can't separate the message from the lifestyle that we live. Our lifestyle shows what we believe. This is about who we are and about how we are. It's the values in you as you live the kingdom that bring that flavor, that bring flavor to the bland and rotting world. It's the values that you live out here in this kingdom that bring light to the world of darkness that is around us. People will experience that kingdom when we live its values. This helps us realize how to be effective agents of salt and light in our lives. These show us how to love the church, to love those outside the church. So we must be living lives. We must live its values. Second thing we must do, we must live its values of Jesus' community in our daily ordinary. Back in June of 2013, I don't know if you remember reading this story or not, but there was a brilliant guy. Oh, he must have been smart. He almost OD'd on soy sauce. 
True story. You can Google it. It's out there. Listen to this. There's a young man who drank a quart of soy sauce and then went into a coma. He nearly died from all the excess salt that was in his body. I mean, it's true. The 19-year-old, he was dared by his friends to drink the soy sauce. So he did. And he became the first person ever known to have deliberately overdosed on salt, such a high amount of salt, and survive with no lasting neurological problems. Now, why do I share that story? It's because it applies directly to how we live. As Christ's disciples, you see, we're called to bring salt and light to the world that is around us so that they can experience the kingdom of God. Not so that they can be blinded by the sun. We don't shine our light so much that they're blinded by us or we don't give them a dose of sodium so that they OD on that. So the question we have to answer is this. Are we seasoning and shining in this world or... Are we blinding people with our light and gagging them with our soul? Let me give you an example of blinding and gagging here. I remember one year, it was back at the Effort Affair. Got some pictures of it here. It was back in the late 1970s, so yeah, I'm dating myself a little bit here. But this fair, it happens every year. It happens the last full week of September, even to this day. Now, back then, it was touted as the world's largest street fair. They had bigger fairs on fairgrounds and stuff, but it was the world's largest street fair. And it still may be today, because you can see main streets, all the side streets, they're packed with people, wall to wall with vendors and food vendors and game vendors and music and then more food. And yes, we like to eat back then, too. But on this Saturday night, it was packed so full. There were literally wall-to-wall people covering at least a mile of street and then all the side streets. And, but in that crowd that night, there were a few people that were walking around carrying signs that said, Repent of your sins and trust Jesus. I started watching the crowd around them as they were holding these signs. And I have to be honest, I saw no one praying. I saw no one repenting. I saw no one who looked moved by the story. No one who looked touched by the Spirit because of these signs that they were carrying around. If anything, people were just making fun of them and laughing at them. But is there truth to that message of the sign that they were holding? Yeah, absolutely, yes, there is. But just because it's correct doesn't mean that it's effective. I'd almost argue that it's kind of like pouring a gallon of soy sauce down someone's throat, trying to get them to understand the gospel in that way. No one walked away from those signs thinking, you know, I need Jesus in my life. I'd be willing to put money on the fact that no one even walked away from that saying, wow, I want Jesus. Now, let me give you an example of what it should look like. This is how we should be living our life in our daily ordinary. We should have a time of seasoning and a time of shining. Listen to this story. This is a story of a young lady who lived it right. And this is a story that were in her words. She said this. Moving back to the city, I was able to start back at my old job. Many of the servers and employees were surprised to see me. Nonetheless, I was able to get back to work. About a week ago, one of them, I could tell something was on her mind. In the midst of having a slow night, I asked her how her family was doing. She started to share her troubles about her daughter leaving and that she was afraid. I shared my testimony about how my mom and I didn't speak for two years and how throughout the past years, I found God and our relationship has started to grow. She mentioned she wanted to go to church but hasn't gone yet. I encouraged her and said that God changed me and he cares about our relationships. She got my number, and we talk more at work. I am leaving the door open to share more with her. Over the past two days, she says, the servers lately have been cranky and gossiping, arguing with management during work. She says, I won't gossip, and I will respect management there, regardless of how I think the place should be run. 
they all know that I am a faith-based girl. However, the gossip became so bad that yesterday evening during the dinner rush, the manager called all the people together, called a meeting, explaining how a customer had overheard what they were saying. I kept encouraging the management, telling them that they were doing a good job, sharing with the employees that we are a team, and building them up with my words. Also that night, I was helping out in the kitchen. I was putting dishes away, even though I didn't have to. She said, one of the dishwashers said, you are a good worker, Misha. I always see you helping people out, and you don't have to. I said to him, I am working for the Lord. And he smiled, and he said, all the other servers, they come back here. All they want to do is they want to complain. But I can tell that you are believing that, and you are acting upon that in your life. I said, have you ever heard this saying, the joy of the Lord is my strength? He said, no, I haven't. Where, where is that? I told him it was in the Bible, and that is why I am different. I did not used to be this way, sharing a little bit of my testimony. He said, I am wanting to get back into my faith, and I don't know how. I would like to know more about the gospel as you had told me. I said that after work, I want to share more with you. I want to share the gospel with you in a real way that is understandable and is life-changing. He was excited, and this is what he said. I am looking forward to talking more about the faith with you. She says, that is how my night ended. You see, it's really easy for us to walk around the streets of a crowded street carrying a sign saying, repent of your sins or you're going to go to hell and things like that. But it's a lot more difficult for us to be Jesus in the ordinary and in the mundane of life. But it's in that trivial day-to-day stuff of life, whether it's at the office, at the school, at the gym, on the job, at the store, in the church, in the backyards of our lives, behind the fence. That's where people need to experience Jesus when they experience us. It's in that trivial, it's in that day-to-day stuff that we, we just need to be salting. We need to be lighting the world, not blinding and gagging the world. Think about your daily routine. Think about your coworkers. Maybe it's your classmates, your neighbors, the person maybe you carpool with, those you work out with. Maybe it's the people you just happen to run into quite frequently as you go about your business. And know this, people will experience the kingdom of God from you in the normal. And in those moments, the normal becomes extraordinary as people taste, as people see from you that the Lord is good. We're going to close out this morning looking at how those who have truly experienced Jesus will help others experience Jesus. Look at verse 14 through 16 again. It says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. My prayer is that over these past few weeks that you've learned that loving the church isn't about loving a building. It's not about the programs that we run here. It's all about what relationships. Relationships. Primarily our relationship with God, but also it's our relationship with one another. Because what is the key statement for our series? What was it? Loving the church means what? Loving the church means loving the people. But it doesn't stop there. We also have to love those that are outside of the walls of this church. Think back to week one with me of this series. We read John 13, 35. It says, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. 
Here's the thing. How can all people observe us having a reputation of love if we're never out there amongst the people? If we're never around other people, how can they experience it? You can't season and you can't shine when you're ordinary, when it is separated from the bland darkness that is around us. Church, small groups and the rest of our programs, the things that we do for our people, Christ people in the church, they assist us to grow and to become a stronger community of faith. In gathering together, what we're doing is we're strengthening our saltiness. We're making our brightness brighter. But if we are never out in the world, if we are never interacting with other people out there, outside the walls of the church, then we have failed. We're to live Jesus' value while in connection with the world, where he's placed us, whether it's at work, at school, or wherever. What are the ways that you can begin making connections in your neighborhood? There's a question that sometimes gets asked, and it's one that really needs to be asked of all the churches, and it's this. If this church ceased to exist, would this community mourn? Would this community miss this church? Would they say, no, no, please don't go. You, you need to stay. You're such a value to this community. Or if it ceased to exist, would this community even notice? Would they notice that the doors were shuttered and we were gone? Church, we need to be honest about that. If they could care less, then we might as well close the doors of this church because we're never going to be able to fulfill the mission of Christ's church, which is the Great Commission. Because at that point, all we've become is a holy huddle of people gathered together to praise each other and to praise the Lord, maybe. But we're not doing what he's called, and that will not be honored by God. So, friends, let's get real here this morning. We must be a church that they would miss. Not for our own sakes, not for the reputation of First Baptist Church, not for the history of this church, but because when they see each and every one of us, they're experiencing Jesus. That's why they should be missing us. When they see us, they experience Him. Let me close with this. Hopefully this will make it clear for you if it's not clear already. There's a story that's told about a missionary to China who was in a language school. The very first day of class, the teacher entered the room and without saying a word, she walked up and down every one of the rows in that classroom without saying a word. And then she went back to the front and she addressed the class. And she asked this question, did you notice anything special about me? Nobody could think of anything at first. Finally, one student kind of raised her hand and said, well... I noticed that you had a very lovely perfume. The class, well, of course, they kind of chuckled at that. But the teacher said, that's exactly my point. You see, it will be a long time, she told them, before any one of you is able to speak Chinese well enough to share the gospel with anyone here in China. But even before you are able to do that, you can minister that sweet fragrance of Christ to these people by the quality of your lives. It's your lifestyle lived out amongst the people that will minister Christ to them long before you're able to say one word to them about personal faith in Jesus. Friends, that's exactly like, we, like it is with people in China trying to learn that language and share the faith. It's the same with us here as well. It's our life that will minister volumes to them before we can even say a word to them about our faith. Though we may not be eloquent speakers, the believers that we encounter, they will be ministered to by the Christ-likeness in our daily lives, if indeed we are Christ-like. In church, our focus, it needs to be on the lost. That's our purpose. That's our mission. It remains the primary focus of Christ's church, and it must be ours as well. 
Recently, a leading church consultant, he conducted a survey. And he surveyed members of nearly 1,000 churches. And he asked this one question. He said, why does the church exist? (laughs) These were his results. Of those that responded, 89% said, well, the church's purpose is to take care of me and my family's needs. 89%. 89 out of 100 people said the church is here to take care of me. And it also had another part of that said, for many, said the role of the pastor is simply to do what? To simply keep the sheep who are already in the pen. To keep them happy. To not lose too many along the way. It was only 11%. 11 out of 100 people that knew the purpose of the church was to win the world for Jesus Christ. And to that, all we can say is, I mean, how tragic is that survey that says 89 out of 100 people don't even know why the church exists. One of the ways that you and I can respond to that message is this, is we can get out of the house. We can get out of the church. We can go out into our neighborhoods. We can get out of the backyard, get into the front yard, or maybe even get into somebody else's backyard in our life. Get behind those fences. And what do we do? What I've been talking about for almost three years now, we build relationships. That's how you have to do it. Get to truly know other people. Get to know their needs. That's the only way that you can minister to them. Friends, I've heard it said that Christians make horrible neighbors. I don't even have time to get into all the reasons that people say that. But let me just say this. Let that never be said of us. Loving the church means loving the people. The question is, do you? Let's pray. I want to thank you for listening to the message today. I pray that this message somehow has touched you and created within you a passion for action for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you have any questions or you need to make any decisions or you just need to talk to someone, I encourage you to contact your local pastor. And if you don't have one, if you don't have a local church, you may contact me through the church office at 620-336-2777. We'd love to see you on Sunday mornings in church for our celebration service. It's a great time of fellowship and worship of our Lord and Savior. Come join us. We know you'll be blessed and thanks again for listening to the Cherryvale First Baptist Church Sermon Podcast and have a blessed day.